The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, make sure to stick around or just go right to the end of the podcast if you want, because today's guest, John Moreland, just does an incredible version of one of my favorite songs uh, at the end of the podcast. So even if you only have a little bit of time with this thing, go and listen to the song uh, at the end of the show. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Today's guest is singer-songwriter John Moreland, who quite simply has made three great albums. Uh, A first album that showed he was a a guy who could write great songs and and two other albums that are just um, head-to-toe kind of perfect uh, singer-songwriter records. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been listening to your music for a long time, like, you know, since, uh, I guess, three years uh, since you put out Right, 2013, those records came out? Um, In the Throws was 2013, yeah. Earthbound Blues was t- 2011. So, okay, I got, I didn't hear Earthbound until I heard okay. uh, In the Throws. And yeah. then that's when I caught, I heard uh, Nobody Gives a Damn About Songs Anymore. And I was like, um, oh, this guy's got something to say. <laughs> As a uh, way of thinking about stuff. But I, I've been thinking a lot about wh- why, you know, what you sing about and your your worldview. And we were just talking about, you say you, you don't like to play birthday parties? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why Why don't you? Well, I just feel like I'm going to bum everybody out. And I get pl- I get asked to play weddings all the time, too. And I'm just like, why on earth would anybody want me to play their wedding? Like, you're going to get divorced if I play your <laughs> wedding. I don't... <laughs> I don't think it's good. I don't think it's a good thing. Well, maybe they can look at you and, and, and be like, "All right, that, that you know that guy, all his stuff turns uh, out broken. Let's just like learn our lessons from it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you sing sad songs, but but it is interesting. I mean, I was talking to Jason, who w- produces the show, and and he was saying that that somehow though the joy you take in singing those songs, yeah, makes people feel good, even as they're absorbing right. the sadness. It makes me feel good too. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's. That's the whole reason to do it. There's something cathartic about uh, knowing that you're not the only one who who feels that way. And um, I, I'm surprised at, like, the amount of flack I get sometimes for, be, like, why are you so sad? And it's like, well, there's sad movies all the time that nobody, like, bats an eye. But for some reason, I'm supposed to be. And I can't think of anybody good who writes happy songs. So I don't know what I'm, like. <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess there are probably, there are some, but it is true. I mean, I was with um, my kids listening to R.E.M. the other day and Shiny Happy, they're my favorite band of all time, mm. and Shiny Happy People came on and both of my kids immediately jumped to fast forward and they go, oh, dad, you hate this one because it's the happy one. It's <laughs> yeah. the happy one. And it's totally true. Yeah. It's like the only R.E.M. song I don't like, that and Stand, or like basically the only two R.E.M. songs I don't like. Yeah. Uh, the happy ones, you know, but, but. It's more than sadness, isn't it? Like, I was thinking about White Flag, which is one of your, I think, best songs. It's great because it's a newer mm. song, too. Um, and it's, I guess, a love song in certain ways. Yeah. But I was thinking about this line, have your trophies turned to dust. And to me, that has, like, a lot of resonance with many of your songs in that it's it's not just glory that's fading, but, like, um, almost insulting. And it's, like, the glory's distance and, and impermanence. Mm. And I, I wonder if it's about how you have the will to keep going when it all turns to rust. Yeah, I guess so. That's probably, that's probably like at the root of it. I always have a uh, trouble like talking about my songs cause I don't, they just sort of come out and I don't, I don't know what they're about a lot of times, but, um, until you have some distance yeah, yeah. or maybe ne- never. Well, probably more distance than I've been able to have so far is, it would be needed. 
like just now when you mentioned that line and you said the thing about fading glory, I was like, oh yeah, that's what that line's about. I didn't think that at all when I wrote it. I just it just it just like felt good and and I was so I kept it, you know. When you start, you don't have something you're trying to say consciously. No, no never. You start with an like just a mood or an idea. Yeah, I just start. Um, I, I'm trying to like have a conversation with my subconscious. It's almost like maybe like an Edgar Edgar Casey thing or something. Just like be in like enough of a trance to just start saying stuff. And if it feels good, then just go with it. How do you get yourself in that trance? I do it too. I do like meditation and morning pages, and the morning pages like free writing gets me so I, I'm in that. I'm able to access that space. Like what? Do yeah, you, yeah. What do you do to get there? I just try to start writing. Like I just, I just, I gotta be alone and pretty calm. Like nothing really going on. And it takes, you know, it might take half an hour or an hour, and then I'll and I'll start writing. And I think usually the stuff that I, you know, the first few lines I write aren't very good but I'm you know working my way into something and um I don't know I have to like cut through the layers of uh bullshit before you know how did you okay so most writers most people who want to write they stop right there they when they recognize it's not very good yet and it's bullshit they give up no that how do you get yourself to keep pressing forward I don't know I mean it gets really frustrating sometimes but I've I'm learning that um the frustration is all part of it. Like you have to just, that's the dance. Like you're gonna, it's gonna suck and you're gonna hate yourself and you just have to keep going. And if you do, sometimes it'll pay off. Fuck. That's super great. That's super deep and important for artists to, your people like to think about and understand, right? Like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think especially with songwriting people, I think with, if you're writing like a book or something, people, are more used to the idea that it's like work. You're going to sit down and work. But songwriting, people have this idea that it's this. It's like a 100% romantic thing that just like a spark just happens to you and then the song just comes out. And that hardly ever happens to me. I think that that whole idea is kind of ridiculous. Like you have to... You have to work at it, and you have to, like... Like I said, it's it's like having a conversation with your subconscious, and that's hard to do, and you have to... You have to practice it to get better at it. Yeah, one of the best examples of that for me that shows it is you hear a song, not a song of yours, but you, someone hears a song because of the, I don't know the backstory of how you write all yours, but you, you hear a song like Elephant by Jason Isbell, and it sounds like, you know, um, I'd sing her classic country songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, is You know, that I mean, you're just on tour with them, so you've heard that song a hundred times in a row or whatever, but that was originally singer Harry Nilsson songs. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard when you hear the demo of it, it's Harry Nilsson songs. Yeah. And so that song for sure sounds like it was came out of ground. It just like showed up out of the air. Yeah, but no, there's, there's no, no way. way. Right. He works so hard at those songs. Yeah, you have to chip away and chip away to make it sound like it appeared out of thin air, you know, to make it sound effortless. Yeah, I mean, and so, but if you're, if you're not thinking about, if you're not thinking about sort of the meaning of it, how do you know when when you say if it's good or not? You're not talking about the melody here. You're talking about the words, right? Um, no, I mean, or are you talking about talking how about it fits both. the melody? I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Because you're writing with your, are you writing it with the guitar in your hand usually? Usually, yeah. I mean, I'm sometimes I'll I'll think of lines when I'm doing other stuff. I don't have a guitar in my hand. I'm like driving down the road or or having lunch or something. But like, but then I'm. You know, and I'll make a note of those things. But then when I sit down to actually, like, turn that stuff into a song, I've got the guitar. 
And, you know, lately it's kind of flipped. Like uh, years ago, I always felt like the music was the easy part. Like I can come up with a melody and some chords. It's no problem. But but writing the words was the hard part. And now it's, com- it's the complete opposite. Like I can I can write words all day. But finding the melody, because you want the melody to feel like it came out of thin air too, you know. And to find to find a me- anybody, any decent musician can come up with a melody that's at least, you know, not unpleasant. It's fine. But to find to like go the extra mile and find the melody that feels really natural and like it's always been there, and you just pulled it out of the air. Um, find the melody that really sticks. That's really hard. That's that's the hard part for me now. That's really interesting. I guess especially when you're, I mean, part of your aesthetic seems to be, or certainly has been on these records, to do do this stuff, present it sort of as simply and with as little yeah. adornment as possible. Yeah, yeah. So if you're just like, I'm capoing four, uh, or I'm going to capo five, and I'm going to basically play four chords and finger pick them, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to try to come up with a melody that wasn't on four Dylan albums. It's really exactly. hard. Exactly, yeah. It's really hard. So that's where your standards are. It's like finding that melody and then really finding the rhythm and words mm-hmm. that feels right for it. Yeah, I mean the melody thing is like, you know, I want to find I want to find the melody that automatically kind of sticks in my head and I don't have to keep reminding myself how it went. That's when it's good enough, I think. How often do you tell yourself, "Okay, I'm going to I've I've got enough of these ideas floating around like I'm going to I'm going to sit down and try to actually write some." Well, I'm trying to do that more and more often because I used to you know, before I started touring all the time, I worked on songs all the time because I and I didn't I never thought about it as like, you know, I never made myself do it, but I but I wasn't busy doing anything else. So I just did it all the time. And, you know, the past couple of years have been touring really heavily. And and so now I'm learning how to I'm finally adjusting to, you know, I didn't write much for the, the last couple of years. And when like High on Tulsa Heat, what those songs were. Like those were the ten songs that I had that made that record. There was no, there was nothing left over, and I had to struggle to even get ten. Um, so it doesn't I feel like it though, man. Well, thanks, but I don't want to. I don't want to make a record that way again. You know, I want to like in the throws. I had like twenty five songs. And I was cutting it down to ten. So that's the position that I'd rather be in. And um, so yeah, I'm I'm learning that I that I have to do that as often as I can. So that European tour we just did, I I took, you know, I would try to write down ideas while we were driving in the van. And then when we'd have a day off, we had, you know, day off every four or five days. And when we'd have a day off, I'd grab a guitar and try to turn that stuff into something. And I ended up writing a couple songs on the tour, which I've never done before. I've never oh, written on tour before. Do you so, like them? Yeah, I think so. Um, would you play them for like other guys or no? Yeah, I would play them. My tour manager was there. He heard me playing them. That was that's a that's a. I mean, that's another thing that's hard about it. I've never written with anybody else in the room before. Or oh, that sounds impossible, me. almost. Yeah, I can, and and I I finally just accepted that. Like, well, if I'm gonna write songs anymore, I'm gonna have to get over that because I'm hardly ever in a room alone now. So yeah, I just try to just get over it and do it and. I did it a couple times on this. Oh, that tour, must have so. felt like you must have been, even you must have allowed yourself to be pleased with yourself for a moment. Yeah, yeah, I was proud that I that I got it done. Yeah, it's been a hard uh, making this TV show. We, you know, you get in a room with people. Normally, I do write. I have a partner. We write together, but it's just us in this little room. And then now yeah. there's all these people, and it is a because the failure part of it sucks in front of people. Right. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's embarrassing. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Like when you come up with a fake, a rhyme that you don't dig or a thing. Yeah. And then you, you, you know, you start to, I mean, I'm sure you just have to, you really hope they didn't hear it. Of course, they're not judging you. You know, they're doing their right. own thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're just as worried about you judging their crappy ideas too. You know? Yes. So. But it's hard. It's, uh. And being being a writer is just uh, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's just a misery. So, uh, how did you let's let's back up in case people don't know. Um, I mean, I you know you you write about you know even if you say that you don't think about the thematics. This was another thing. This was great because I had written this down to talk about, and Jason had written it down too, which is like home and the concept of home or a return to some kind of impossible innocence and nostalgia. In so many of of your songs, you reference home and. And it seems to mean different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And when someone listens to it, we get this impression of you in Tulsa, how religion might have played a role, what your family life was like. But, and, and you know, reading a little about you, the, the backstory that you were in hardcore bands and, and all that stuff. But what was your childhood, what was your childhood like? Like, how does a kid from where you were from end up in Amsterdam with Jason Isbell and Rod Pica? I mean, my childhood was really awesome. We moved to Tulsa when I was 10. Before that, we lived in Kentucky, like uh, just barely in Kentucky. We were in the, right across the river from Cincinnati. And, um, you know, my parents are still together, and they were always happy, like super middle class, regular. Like what kind of work did they do? Um, my dad's an engineer, and my mom's a teacher. And, um, so they were regular smart folks. Yeah. and uh, But they weren't in the arts. No. My dad loves music, you know, like. But it was always a hobby, and uh, he never, you know, his dad was was an electrician, and then he became an electrical engineer. So it was, you know, that was kind of, and he worked for the same company as his dad for like 30 years. So that was kind of laid out for him, and he never, he didn't really. So did he play guitar? He plays guitar, yeah. He still picks around, you know, in his free time, and uh, he builds amps too. Um, and then, you know, my mom is one of those people who kind of like, doesn't really like when music you know if something cool comes on the radio she's like oh i like that but she doesn't know who it is or anything and she's not she's very casual about music but i just remember like i always listened to uh my dad would listen to the classic rock radio station in his truck and we would drive around drive across the river and go to cincinnati reds games and um or we lived really close to the air you know the cincinnati airport is actually in kentucky and we lived really close to it and we would go to like park at the airport and watch planes take off and just listen to Tom Petty, and um, really, you and your pop yeah. do that. Yeah, so that was those are my my first musical memories, you know. And I remember that he had a guitar that that I still play it on records. His he's got a he's got this Martin. Uh, it's a fifty one Martin double uh, odd eighteen. He's he got it secondhand like in the sixties. And um, he still got it, and I learned to play on it, and I play, I still play it on records. It sounds better than my new Martin. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, so. I have like a 1971 Martin. Yeah, that I. It's not one of the great ones, but mm-hmm. it still sounds really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. There's a weird thing about old old guitar. I, I just I'm working on a record right now, and I and I I cut all the tracks originally with my new my new guitar, and then I was like, this I'm gonna redo all this stuff with the old Martin. But anyway, he had that guitar and. You know, I saw him, he he didn't play it much back then. I saw him play it once or twice, and then it just seemed like a cool thing to do. I wanted to learn how to do it. What's that Guy Clark song that he the first song that Lyle Love it? Do you know that there's that Guy Clark song about his first guitar, but Guy never recorded it. Lyle Love it didn't. He like titled an album. I'm just blanking on the title. 
but anyway, people should listen to it. Go find this song because we're going to talk about Guy Clark, who, you know, I know your story is you got the, exposed to Steve Earle's music from your dad, right? Or he talked yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he you know he listened to like Copperhead Road and stuff, and that, and I I remember seeing Steve Earle on CMT back when they showed music videos still and seeing like the Guitar Town video, and I mean that was years after Guitar Town came out, but. Um, they would still play it in like 92, 93. So I kind of knew, I knew of Steve Earle from that. And then when I found his newer records when I was about 20, I just, my mind was kind of blown. But you weren't listening to that. You would, so you would listen to like Tom Petty and Bruce and stuff with your dad. Yeah. But you weren't really listening to the Texas songwriters. No. Before that. Right. Yeah. Step Inside This House is the Guy Clark song. You ever hear it? I think I've heard the yeah. Lyle it's a lie. I love. It's the only version of okay, it, but it's yeah. all about it. Basically, it's all about this this guitar. Cool. But so you were saying you, you? Yeah. No, I was. I mean, I just was like strictly classic rock, and then I through like being in the in the hardcore and stuff. You would find, you know, bands like uh, Jason Molina, Magnolia Electric oh, Company. What a great like, songwriter he was, man. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, you know stuff stuff like that would would kind of that kind of was like indie rock enough to kind of break into like where where like punk rockers knew about it like i i uh i found some stuff like that and uh and i and i realized i liked that kind of rootsy aesthetic you know and um and because I, it's a way into that kind of music like um i guess that one of the like texas as opposed to nashville yeah which is bluegrass informed texas is really blues informed right in some way yeah, I think yeah. In general, that's probably true. Yeah, there's some just in terms of even the way they sing about what they say. Yeah, of course, there's a Nashville strain that's right. I mean, Merle's that's blues informed. But, yeah, yeah. But, but, if but Texas has like Lightning Hopkins thing that, and and then you know everybody grew up listening to ZZ Top and whatnot. Yeah, so that it comes somehow it it bleeds it yeah. bleeds into that music, so it makes it, it easier for like a rock and roll person to grab onto it. Yeah, yeah. In maybe a way, so yeah. I also, it's weird. Did you listen to Wallflowers too? Because there's little Wallflowers sometimes. And you know, I listen. I mean, I was aware of them because when they're when they're uh, when like One Headlight was really big. I was like 11. You know, I knew who they were. I jammed that song on the radio, and then uh, I got back into that record like maybe five years ago. I kind of found it again and was like, "Whoa, this is." Really I hear good. it in your. St- do people ever say it? You know, occasionally some somebody will tell me they think I kind of sound like Jacob Dylan. Yeah, you have like there's just something in the way that you attack certain phrases in a great way. That and I, for me, that's great because it's always Bob who influences everybody. Yeah, but I I can hear that you and Jacob grew up listening to a lot of the same stuff. Essentially, is what it yeah, feels probably like. so. Yeah, um, I, it's in a couple of spots in a really cool way, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's true that you did listen. You're not like I don't even know who they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would have felt dumb. So I'm glad. That you did. But so when, when you heard Steve Earle and you, you started thinking about this kind of music, did you have the sense that you could do it right away? Yeah, I mean, I was audacious enough to think that I could do it. Yeah, I was like, because I had been playing in punk bands and, and I mean, you know, punk and hardcore, that's like the, that's the thing that made a lot of people realize they could play music. And so I had the same thing when I was like 12, where I couldn't. You know, all I could play on guitar was power chords, and I and I had no idea what I was doing. But I would hear like rancid or social distortion, and, and go, I could probably do that. And then, you know, and and so I started writing songs 
then and I because I was always in bands and I as like a 12 and 13 year old yeah. you you did you were like yeah. I can do this yeah I mean I I, I I think I recognized that like it wasn't that hard like punk rock wasn't that hard and I think right. I mean the unlike cool. the struggle of writing these songs yeah, that, yeah. that you could just blast three song three right. chords yeah and say whatever and nobody really cares and and I had done that for all through my teens I was in a bunch of bands did and, you have friends and, yeah in high school so you were like the, I mean, I I was like, a, when did you turn fucking morose, man? Probably, yeah, probably in high school. I was, <laughs> I mean, I had, I I still have friends though, but I was, I was definitely kind of like a weird kid at my school. Were but, you a big, were you big then? Cause you know, yeah, you're a yeah. big, you're a big man. I was, yeah, I've always been gigantic. I had like history teachers that were football coaches and they were always pissed at me that I didn't want to play football. Right. Um, but by then, you know, I mean, the second I found punk rock, I didn't care about sports anymore, like at all. And now, I, as a, like as a grown man, I I watch sports, but I didn't I didn't want to play sports, and so I was kind of a weird. That's kid. what I'm asking. Yeah. So were were you so, sort of off to the side at times? I was, yeah. But I still had because of because of punk rock. Like I I had there was a little hardcore scene in Tulsa, and I was I always played in bands, and we went to local shows, and those were my friends, and I went to. A huge high school there were like 2,000 kids in my school you know there were like less than five of them that I was for, that were really my friends right, that you, know? you could really relate to yeah somehow. yeah right but at least you found that you found them totally yeah and what were you writing do you remember what you were writing about when you first started so you were a little older you said 20 around when you started switching gears with what you wanted to write about yeah yeah and I well I mean I guess I was writing about the same stuff I was just writing about like you know, oh, this girl doesn't like me and like trying to figure out what am I doing in life? Why am I here? What's what is all this? And I was already writing about that stuff. But I I felt like um, when I heard Steve Earle, first of all, the thing that struck me when I because I the first song from like his newer records that I heard was Rich Man's War. Yeah. And I I was used to hearing political messages like that in punk songs but i wasn't used to hearing political messages in like uh in like roots songs like i didn't so you I didn't, didn't know merle hack i didn't know about i mean i didn't know about like like i knew about woody guthrie because i'm from oklahoma but he's just like a figure that you know exists but i didn't know anything about him and i and i didn't know the history i th- i just thought like country music Toby Keith booting your ass, like, you know. And you didn't connect that Bruce was singing about that stuff? Well, I did, but I, but like, that wasn't country to me. Like, you know, I didn't know. And then I, and I would see Steve Earle on CMT and he's saying that same stuff. And I was, it was really interesting to me. And, and the song just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, um, and so I would try to write political stuff too when I first started. And I quickly realized that that's not, I didn't feel, comfortable with like that's not my thing and i don't um i I wasn't very good at it yeah but it sneaks in maybe so yeah i mean it sneaks in in the kind of people you write about yeah the kind of experiences you write about and the way in which you write about religion don't you think that's a kind of commentary yeah maybe so but i but it's it's done in a more personal way and when i was 20 i was trying to be steve earl and i was trying to write like overtly political things that i that that were I always felt like an asshole, like telling, like, like I'm 20, I know how things are supposed to be. You know, I at least had the sense to recognize that that was ridiculous. Well, it seems like that's something that you're still kind of obsessed with in your music, this idea of doubt versus certainty. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like anybody who's too sure of themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, even I think about you know what 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 is uh, what is faith? What if faith is just a, a false god's verse, mm. right? In in hearts too heavy, as opposed to you know a, a loud and obnoxious atheist like me, it seems like you're more comfortable questioning and trying to solve. Yeah, what this all might might mean. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm. I think when people or anybody who's too sure of anything, that's kind of a red flag to me because I just think like, you know, self-examination is is good. You know, I think most people I grew up going to church with would call me an atheist now, but I don't right. think I don't think I don't I don't call myself that. But um, because you mean you're not following the strictures of the church, you're not right? Yeah. The church, but that's yeah. separate from whether you have a belief in some higher right, something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what it seems like you do wrestle with this. Yeah, I, I, does it feel to you sometimes like you've turned your back on on community, or you don't want? Because you seem like you're both very. Atta- I mean, you know, obviously in your songs, you know, I love that that the line about um, you know, "Hang Me in the Tall Stars" when when you say. You know, you're talking about the charmers, and in that song, it's clear the kind of people who you don't give a shit about turning your back on. They can let them all yeah. go to Nashville and go fuck themselves <laughs> in the end. Yeah. And but you somehow, you know, hanging the Tulsa stars is not saying um, I want to live in Tulsa, but it's it's yeah, sort of not wanting to completely leave. You know, wanting to be able to elevate. Right? It's a, it's the oldest like romantic poetry thing of wanting to be able to somehow transcend. Yeah. But somehow stay tethered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This feels like you something that is impossible. By the way, like, probably so. It's probably what your torture is. Probably so. How yeah. can you do both of those things, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it seems like in the relationship stuff, you're trying to have it grab this Im- ethereal impossible. Yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I never think that far into it. It just comes out, and I, it feels good. But but when you when you say. Like, I believe you, but I also don't. And, like, so when you say, <laughs> because, like, people have been saying, like, Dylan used to say it, too, and it just was totally not true. But when, when because the, the way that the uh, character in that song at first tentatively talks about the, you know, Nashville charmer people mm-hmm. at the party who were yeah. slick and easy and good with girls and then yeah. finally wants to banish them. Yeah. I mean, that, you have to be able to look at that as a, some kind of pride in being an outsider, and, and oh yeah, and, yeah. In, and in I think in so. writing the kind of songs that you write, and an unwillingness to put on a big hat and smile a lot. Yeah, I think there. Yeah, I think I do have some kind of like pride in being an outsider. I think there was a lot of when I was younger. There, there were a lot of um, years of anguish and like, why am I a weirdo? And why? And that's still what I'm. You know what? I, I, that's still probably the thing I write about the most but like at a certain point you know when you find when you find other people who you relate to and and you kind of and you start to like not hate yourself as much you know I think that's uh it sort of comes with this like well this is just who I am so fuck (laughs) y'all yeah I think that shows up in in songs sometimes it does I mean and and do you do you feel like you're getting closer to that place of accept of accepting yourself like accepting what you are and then letting that bleed into the song letting that bleed into the song i think so yeah i'm i'm a lot more i'm a lot more comfortable with who and what i am whatever that is than i was even a couple years ago i'm wondering just to go back because it popped in my head which is like part of that idea that we all want this the work 
to feel like it just fell from the heavens. It's like, mm-hmm. like you, I got exposed to Guy Clark and Towns and those songwriters. And it does feel like their stuff came from... Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. It's so perfectly rendered. And at that time, albums would just show up. Like, it was a different world. There was no sense of process. Yeah. We do yeah. everything out in public now. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So there was mystery. There were no Instagram photos from oh, the like studio. Of, like, the studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's that one, you know, the one documentary about those guys. But yeah. basically, at Heartworn Highways, and that's even, a guy plays that song, and it's like a finished song, and you're like, yeah. holy fuck, how did that just happen? Yeah. But I wonder if that, uh, you know, it's, and it's the Dylan thing, too, when you watch him and don't look back, and he's just writing that song in a room with Joni playing guitar, and he doesn't, uh, I mean, Joan Baez playing guitar, and he doesn't yeah. care. Have you seen, you've seen Don't Look Back no, ever? I haven't seen Heartworn Highways either. Oh, you gotta... I don't... That one might, yeah. I try not to, like, I don't... There's something... We, yeah, I don't fanboy out too hard on, on stuff. Like, I've... Yeah, I, I sort of... I seem to, like, find a thing that I'm... And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I'm way into that. And then I... But then I just kind of let it be, like... Anyway, that's another... No, no, I'm interested in that. Because you don't well, want to... You don't want to, like, um, put that thing in a place where you feel like it's not attainable or something. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought I had a thought earlier when you mentioned Guy Clark. Uh, you know, like people uh, like that's something that comes up a lot in interviews because it's. I think it's in my bio that like I found Steve Earle and then through Steve Earle found Guy Clark and Towns Van Zant, and that's true. But I still like I have old number one, and I've listened to like that Dublin Blues record a lot. The, that's the only Guy Clark stuff I know. Like I don't, I don't really like delve too hard. You know, Towns Van Zant. I only have live at the old quarter. Um, I mean, that's an well, that's look, the only old number one and, and live at the old. Those yeah, are yeah. two of the great. I mean, those right, are right. like two right. of the great albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. Like ever, anyone who ever picked up a guitar. Yeah, I just find myself in like when. You know, when there's stuff that comes up that's like that I feel like I should know about, and I'm like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about right now because I'm still. It, but you don't have the curiosity, like, or you just want to go create your own thing. I want to create my own thing, especially like when I'm in Nashville. People want to talk about stuff like that a lot, and I'll be. I'm like, I listen to Janet Jackson on the way here. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> like, I have. I still. I have really weird taste. Um, what else do you listen to? I've been listening to a lot of pop punk lately. Um, because I've I've recently found punk bands that I don't hate that I could for a long time I felt like that was I'm done with that but I but now I there's like there's a band from Oklahoma City called Red City Radio that I like a lot and there's there's a band called Banner Pilot that I like a lot and uh me, actually me and my tour manager listened to Run the Jewels on the way here uh, um, yeah they're I mean I, you know, those are my guys oh yeah uh, yeah Mike and I are I'm, oh, that's awesome! I love Mike. Yeah, and, yeah, and Jamie too. Those are you would. Those guys are um, they're amazing. Those two albums are just incredible. Yeah, they are. Because he like you, that guy will listen to any. You know, he'll listen way outside of his genre and want to check it out and want to yeah. know. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll totally, I'll totally put you two together. First cool. of all, I would just like to see the picture of the two of you guys on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the two of you dudes in a shot on Instagram would really be yeah, fucking yeah. great. It would. Um, awesome. It's interesting though, dude, because like nobody gives a damn about songs. Sounds like somebody for whom those songs, there was a time when someone else's songs really fucking mattered. There are songs that really matter to me, yeah, of course, but I don't I don't want to get 
too bogged down in like being a nerd about stuff to to like create my own thing i think well yeah it's a i mean it, yeah there are a couple ways to go with that right i mean Hem- hemingway would like read all of it to then try to fucking kill the dead writers already yeah. you know uh and then yeah another way is to try to seal yourself off from it in a way yeah and protect yourself that way yeah um but you know that that, that song um where you talk about i'm chasing death or glory whatever comes first I mean, the line is right, took a wrong turn, trying to carry this cross, why'd I have to go get blessed with a curse, I'm chasing death or glory, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Now, that one you can't say is accidental because that is like uh, you, uh, that is some kind of, inf- you know, uh, incantation. Yeah. Isn't it? Some kind of like statement of mission. Yeah, I mean, that song is, it's probably something that I wouldn't write now, you know, it's probably, <laughs> it's it's like a, I mean, I don't, I, I like it still, but it's, I don't think I, I think I would have the filter now to be like okay don't I don't need to whine in a, in the in a song like this but I but at the time it was kind of just I just felt like um that was yeah it was the way I felt that I just I was you know playing in all these bars and people were really interested in everything but the guy singing songs in the corner and um so yeah, it's kind of just like a self-righteous, like listen to me kind of thing. But um, I, I mean, I hear something else in it too, which is like, um, well, I, certain... tr- I, I tried to, I, I had the idea when there's a Scott Nolan song that Hayes Carl covered. More people probably know the Hayes Carl version that says, uh, "Doesn't anybody care about truth anymore?" Maybe that's what songs are for. And I had probably, I think I had recently had conversations with a few people about how it seems like. Now there's a lot of like with you hear it in pop music and also in in a lot of roots music that's kind of like you know getting noticed in the Americana scene or whatever that it's it's mostly like an aesthetic thing it's mostly like cool production and cool arrangements masquerading as good songs and and um and so yeah I heard that line doesn't anybody care about truth anymore maybe that's what songs are for and then I thought well nobody gives a fuck about songs anyway so yeah so if truth's yeah. in there no one's right. gonna find it any i mean right. all right this dovetails perfectly with something that um now I, you probably haven't heard this album now that i know you don't bother because you don't intentionally but there's this old oh there's this dylan album where he covered songs from the 20s and 30s and the album's called world gone wrong i have heard that because uh my girlfriend showed me that album that that blood in my eyes song she she yeah Mississippi that. Sheik song blood in my eyes like, mm-hmm. fucking incredible yeah but in the liner notes to that the liner notes that like one of my favorite things to read that he wrote he wrote this um, impassioned thing about he wrote a thing like a paragraph about each one of the songs oh yeah and why that song mattered enough to him forty five years later to sing it uh-huh. and he starts talking about he says. Um, He's kind of, there's a part of it where he's rambling a little bit, and he starts talking about virtual reality and where the world's going. It's like 1991. And he goes, um, the technology to wipe out the truth is now available. Not everybody can afford it, but it's available. When the cost comes down, look out. There won't be songs like this anymore. Factually, there aren't any now. Yeah. And I was struck in reading that thing from Bob that you're somehow connected to that. You're trying to write those songs that Dylan used to call like sturdy. Yeah. Like where they can fucking take a beating somehow and yeah. they have to exist. Right. Yeah. It seems like that's your kind of like the standard that you were talking about before. That it is. Yeah. That's a permanence. Yeah. Absolutely. That must be torture. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't like 
I don't like doing it. <laughs> I like when it's, I like when I, I like after I've done it, then I feel really great. But it's, uh, yeah, I, re- I remember hearing an interview with Randy Newman and he was like, I hate writing songs. I just like having songs. Talk and about this. someone who it feels like it just dropped from above. Yeah. And, you know, you can't even see the seams in those mm-hmm. like four or five records. Yeah. From Sail Away. Yeah. Rednecks. I mean, you can't even. Yeah see the seams in it i assume you've heard those right i have sail away and dropped his i name. have sail away and i have good old boys yeah good old that's boys with red, those are the two yeah, yeah, yeah. all right that's fine uh-huh. i understand you just want that you're actually just picking you're just trying to pick the very best of what i they want got. the essential thing and then i'll and then i'm and i want to like take it in and and like catalog it and learn what i can and then and then, then you try got to it. apply it yeah that makes total sense i think you are doing it well, seems thanks. like in the music you're doing it um what do you think is the difference between so okay it's the one thing of caring about the all the bullshit and not the meat of the actual song but what makes you say about someone oh that's a good songwriter like who do you think is a good songwriter now if you had to name like three peers I think Aaron Lee Tashton is a really good songwriter Oh I don't know that person Yeah you should definitely check out Aaron Lee Tashton Aaron Aaron Lee Tashton T A S J A N That's exciting Yeah his record he's put out a record back in October it's called In the Blazes um, I'll be listening to it right after this. It's great podcast. Yeah, um, he's kind of got like a like a John Prine thing where he'll it's it can on the surface it's funny sometimes, but he's using humor to really like drop some truth bombs. I really like Christian Lee Hudson. All right, so you have to have three names in order to be somebody that you like. Well, I mean, I just got off tour with Jason. He's right. All right, ridiculous. and he only he's only known by two names, so that's fine. <laughs> Guys, oh yeah, yeah. Those other guys have the serial killer three names. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. So um, and then who? No, Jason. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And Jason Isbell. But you do yeah. think Jason's? You think his? Because um, obviously for you, um, I, I actually think Toby Keith writes good songs for what he's like. I think. Yeah. Um, I admire the fact that Toby Keith writes all of them. Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't go to the factory. Uh-huh. Like I think he believes it. Like I think he's singing something that matters to him, even if I it's think not. So too. Even if it's not a thing that you. Even if you don't agree with him or care about what he's singing about, yeah, yeah. that guy. Man, I, li- I mean, Toby Keith is from Oklahoma, and people right. It must be not- people give him so much shit, and I, I actually don't. I f- I find myself defending Toby Keith m- Me more too. often I'm than doing I, it right yeah, now. more often than I than you think I would. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't. I don't mind that dude. Yeah, that guy's much. not on a factory. He's writing yeah. this. You know, you look at his album credits, and all the songs are written by him. Some yeah. co-writes, but basically, he holds himself up and mm-hmm. I always find it incredibly impressive some dude holds himself up like you know all by himself writes these things produces half of it and is able to just do his thing yeah. at that level yeah. like I don't know there's something about it that's it's um, true yeah that's kind of amazing it's closer to the Merle really because and, uh, and also I always think Toby will come around but like you know Merle came around uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you've heard much Merle but um, I'll make you a playlist because okay. if you don't know his stuff, you need to. Yeah, yeah. Do you not know it at all? Well, I have uh, I have <laughs> one record that I got from my dad, Good. and I had a I listened to his new one with Willie Nelson when it came out because I was curious about that. Me, me too. I, that's not the one I would give you. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard the song "Sing Me Back Home"? I don't know if I have. I've heard I've heard some like is it Big City? Is that what or like I, Mama Mama? I don't know. I've I don't, heard some 80s Merle because I toured with this guy named Caleb Caudill who loves 80s Merle. That's right, his thing. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm okay. talking about like late 60s Merle. Yeah. I, pre- I mean, I probably haven't, I probably haven't heard much of it. I'm gonna, yeah. You'll, there's a couple of those songs that'll 
cut right through you. He's like, um, but you know, he was politically on strange sides of things at various times. And, yeah, and, I've gotten that vibe. Yeah, I can't remember what that. There's well, one Oki's song from Muskogee, you know. Yeah, and yeah. then but then, uh, which obviously for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like half an hour away from me. But it it, it all it all shifted. Um, but I think he is kind of uh, uh, one of those people. But so when when you listen for it, you're you're listening for someone who is it that you just believe them, or is it that they're able to say something that in a way that you hadn't thought of? Yeah, I think both. Um, I mean, I guess there's people who there's people who I believe are being sincere, but I but that's not enough to interest me. Yes, and. So yeah, I guess I want both probably. Yeah, I just want I'm I'm I want somebody who just for whatever reason just grabs me like where you can't ignore it. With an urge, and that's what I try to do. In it. Yeah, that's what you try to do. Yeah. And w- when your music started to become heard by more people, which happened, did it happen because it was on, uh, on Sons, or had it happened before that? No, I mean you had that, two or three songs in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, that that didn't that actually didn't have a huge effect like that's i think it's still i mean i i occasionally meet people at shows who who tell me that that's how they heard about me but you know it wasn't like a t- i was t- still touring at the time playing to like five people every night and um so really i don't know it's just been it's been a really gradual thing i think people um people are just slowly hearing my records like just word of mouth, you know, and it takes it's 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 the best publicity, but it takes a while. It's the best because it's the one thing that gets somebody else to really listen. Yeah, is someone saying, "No, no, this right. is great." Yeah, you have to listen. Yeah, um, yeah, because the other stuff has that impermanence that you don't like. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, so much is coming at us that it's only when a friend goes to, and that's why. Yeah. I was gonna, what I was going to say about nobody gives a damn about songs that, that hits me is that I used to really communicate with people by playing music for them and having them play music for me. Yeah. Not my song. I'm saying, you know, I'd go, right. hey, you got to listen to this Merle Haggard song. And so yeah. we would either then love it or not, but we would have learned a lot about each other from sitting there, yeah. not looking at something, just listening to those songs. Yeah. And it's sad to me, this idea that nobody gives a damn about songs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because they're so fucking important. Mm-hmm. and have the ability nothing almost nothing can change the way you feel more quickly than a song can i think don't you think yeah i think so so if, if it's true it must be strange to you though now to play that tune and have people singing along to it proving yeah you, yeah proving you right and wrong at the exactly same, there at were this. a couple yeah there there have been a couple moments where um i i played like i played that song one time at folk alliance which is a big conference of folk singers in kansas city and there's like a thousand folk singers in a hotel, and and I'm playing. Nobody gives a damn about songs anymore. So <laughs> That's it's, perfect. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, look, I mean, this whole thing in a certain way um, probably feels ridiculous to you, getting in a van and driving around and playing the songs. That part, I mean, it's it's the same thing I did in hardcore bands. So it's like it feels like what I'm supposed to do. Do you feel a connection when you? Because it's obvious. I mean, it, it's clear that you don't want to put yourself in a pedestal. You, yeah. You mostly, even if you say you have less of this self-loathing or whatever, it's still, you don't think you're anything that special. Yeah. You're just trying hard. Right. When you meet people and you see that your work's really affected them, do you let yourself feel it? Or do you make yourself not feel it? 
Um, I don't think I try to feel. I don't. I don't think I'm like consciously trying to feel any kind of way about it. But it's. It's. I think it's really nice. Like it's not. People ask if that's weird sometimes, and I don't think it's. It doesn't feel weird. It feels. It feels good. Like I'm glad that I'm glad that it helps people in whatever way it it might. I mean, I write it because it helps me. So yeah, that's just an added bonus if it helps if it helps somebody else. It does. It helps me. Cool. Uh, and it helps Jace, my producer too. Um, so thank you so much for coming here and doing this. I know you don't like to talk about yourself, so oh. I really uh, appreciate it. Um, I'm wondering since maybe there are some people here who don't know your stuff. If you if you play a song for us, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. great. All right, we'll uh, take two. I mean, to the to the listener, it will sound like it happened right away. We're gonna take a second <laughs> set up, and then uh, I'm gonna get you to play the "Nobody Gives a Damn" song if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. All right, great. Thanks. I can't remember when I felt this lost I took a wrong turn trying to carry this cross Why'd I have to go and get blessed with a curse I'm chasing death or glory whichever comes first One for the money Four on the floor You were born last week With your foot in the door I heard truth is what songs are for Nobody gives a damn about songs anymore You had everything you needed to get it all right You said you're gonna get rich if it takes all night Should I go to Texas or Tennessee Or lock myself in Tulsa and throw away the key One for the money Four on the floor You were born last week With your foot in the door I heard truth is what songs are for Nobody gives a damn about songs anymore One for the money, four on the floor You were born last week with your foot in the door I heard truth is what songs are for Nobody gives a damn about songs anymore One for the money, four on the floor You were born last week with your foot in the door I heard that's what songs are for Nobody gives a damn about songs anymore
That is just awesome. Awesome. Great. Um, hey, thank you so much for doing this and for being here. Yeah, thank you. People can find you online at John, what's your name on Twitter? Uh, John Moreland, okay. John Moreland, okay, on Twitter. And uh, go listen to all his stuff. And uh, go find when he did Colbert, which would have been uh, either last night or a week ago or something like that. <laughs> all right, thanks.